On this episode of Riff and Rock Music Talk, Alex and Ryan are joined by John Grobe to review some albums with guitars, bassists, and drums. Real instruments. America. Yeah, truck pickup. Hamburger. Yeah. Talk whiskey talk riff. 98 bottles of beer on the wall. 97 bottles of beer on the wall. That, that might take too long. <laughs> and so on. Skip a few. 99 100. Wait. Hold on. I'm confused. It's okay. I'm, okay. Wearing, I'm wearing headphones. Okay. But uh, as a fashion accessory. Yes. I actually had heard a story. There was some girls at a store. Someone's telling me this. And they were. I think it's like someone who worked at a, like another Best Buy or something. And this girl was like looking to buy Beats headphones, and he's like, you know, you can get these Sennheisers for significantly less, and they're just as good because Beat, Beats by Dre are not really that good of headphones. They're just really expensive. She goes, no, I'm not gonna plug them in. They're just a fashion accessory. I can see it, but can you describe how angry you are? <laughs> <laughs> Reminds me, there's a guy at the gym that he he brings two sets of headphones, one set for weights, one set for um, cardio. No, that makes sense. They're not the same headphones, are they? No, but that would be too good. Yeah, it makes sense for weights. You know, you got one. No, the weights. He's got the big ones. The cardio. He's got the buds. That makes oh, yeah, sense. Yeah, I actually. can't. I can't imagine running with these on. Generate more heat. You'll burn more. You'll shed more face weight. But you're just like the sauna championships. You. Yeah. True. Speaking of which, let me bring up some pictures of the Sonny and Please don't. Please. I've seen that scene in RoboCop where the guy gets toxic waste dumped on him. I have a pretty good imagination of what it looked like. Imagine if a man has two feet on one leg. But one is dead. The other one is a sexual Alex, no special effects. Yeah. Oh my god. That was like when I had a roommate in college who he would get drunk and then basically... Like, he'd tell war stories about the pornography he would look up online. And also something called the Pain Olympics, which I never wanted to look at. Don't watch the Pain Olympics. But he's like, he's like, I see things, man. They paid a man a million dollars to call off his wiener, and he did it. Did he get sewed back on? No, he shot himself later that day. I mean, there was, I know there was that guy in Japan. He snipped it off. He put a rubber band on it. But then why do you take the money? This is the Pain Olympics guy. What? I know there's that guy in Japan who he had like a private dinner where he cooked up his penis and served it to people. That was last year. Most people said it wasn't very tasty. It was a little flaccid. It was kind of soft and chewy. <laughs> so, how's my penis? I don't know. I'm, I think I'm gonna go to bed. I'm not in the mood. I have a headache. Uh, hmm. Yeah, it's um. <laughs> you mean the icky ooey gooey jism? <laughs> yeah. Oh, the very same. Yes. Oh god. oh god. I'm climaxing as we speak. And while Ryan climaxes, just so you're aware, you are listening to Riff and Rock. Music time! So welcome everyone. We have an exciting episode where we have a, a guest with us. He whoa, uh, whoa, I think we should introduce ourselves before we introduce People know who we are. People know who we are. Smooth baritone bass that you're listening to uh, a few seconds ago is none other than Alex Gummery. And the slightly higher baritone is that I don't know. Are you an alt, a tenor maybe? Ah, I'm a little bit of a tenor. Yes. Yes. Um, that is the ever charming and whimsical Ryan 
Christoph R. Barons. Oh, thank you, Cole. thank you very much. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Then where we have a guest with us tonight, John, who knows my, things. Yeah, he's I, my I, friend John. Well, he's John. my friend John too. <laughs> thank you, thank you for having me. So, we got we got a special episode today. We've been reviewing a lot of pop music lately, a lot a lot of synthesizers and stuff. So we decided we're gonna go back to some some roots. Yeah, get back to our roots. Some some guitars, some bassists, some Questlove, some no, men that are roots. now women. What? What? That is right. Let's jump right in. The first album we listened to was uh, Transgender Dysphoria Blues by Against Me! Against Me? Against Me! It's not a question, it's a declaration. That's true. Um, mistake. <laughs> Against Me is a, I guess, punk punk pop. Used to be punk band, now more of a punk pop band from, I think, Gainesville, Florida. Um, I have a difficult relationship with them, which I know John does as well as he's nodding and giving me a face. Um, their earlier work, very raw sounding, sounded like a man with a broken acoustic guitar and some people hitting uh, buckets. So it had a very interesting punk aesthetic um, in an era, and I think this was like in the late 90s, early 2000s, like when that glossy punk image was big, you had your, your Offspring was making it big, Green Day, your Blink-182, some 41s, Lucky Boys, Confusion, The Lord's Arms. Lord's Arms were never that glossy. <laughs> They're pretty glossy. But basically, your, your, your pretty person punk bands Go on the hot topic, buy an element skateboard, and against me comes out and it's like, you know what? We're gonna play some fucking broke ass instruments, and this guy's gonna scream endless stuff that we can't comprehend. And they produced, I mean, John, you would agree, some brilliant albums. Yeah. Start. Eternal Cowboy, Reinventing Axel Rose, great, fantastic albums. It's after that it gets a bit murky. And at that point, I think what happened, and I'm gonna take a guess, is their record label started handing them huge sacks of cash and went, you wanna be great? You had a little bit more of a mar- wider market appeal. Uh, I also think it could be attributed to the constant changes in the lineup. Were there constant changes in the lineup? Oh, on Wikipedia, there's an entire bar graph. <laughs> uh, timeline, if you will, of oh, Jesus, of the people in the band. Oh, my God. Um, so the, the main person, the, the actually, let's just say the only person in the band is Laura Jane Grace. At that point was Tom Gable. Yes. Is that as bad as, oh, what was that one band we were just, we were looking at from the 60s or 70s that had like over 100 members rotate through it? Blood, um, Sweat, and Tears. Blood, Sweat, and Tears. Like, I think somewhere around between 80 and 90 people have gone through that band. Yeah. Not that bad, I'm assuming. No, only about, you know, 20. <laughs> Which is a lot for a punk band. <laughs> But apparently the first few albums, there was pretty much just her and one or two other people that helped out with the early stuff. So that's probably why it sounds so gritty. And now with this new album, the lineup is four people, you know, nice core uh, group. Um, and it sounds not as gritty, not as 
uh, angsty, but still pretty fucking angsty. Yeah, that was the thing that happened. So after Eternal Cowboy, that was kind of like the cutoff album for original tier against me. There's even like the stuff before then. There was a couple EPs that were really, um, okay. There was that were a little even more raw. But then you got to searching for formal clarity. It starts getting cleaner and glossier. You kind of wonder, okay, maybe it's just a fluke. Then you got to new wave. And uh, they had a new wave. We we don't talk about their new wave. Oh god, <laughs> <laughs> it was their new wave. I, and, oh, that was uh, that was a rough album. And then I just kind of ignored them. And then um, last year, two years ago, Tom Gable announced that he was transgender, and now he is Lord Jane Grace. And so now they've released Transgender Dysphoria Blues, an appropriate title. So inappropriate Ra- subject matter. Uh, yes. So Ryan, what did you think of Against Maze? Transgender Dysphoria Blues. Yeah. So as an album, as a musical album, and uh, it's pretty good. Uh, the band sounds tight. The music is very, very well composed, and you can feel that there's a lot of pain and a lot of anger and a lot of emotions that are uh, being presented through the music and it's very powerful it has a very genuine feel to it i know we've kind of made fun of reviewers that have that like well they didn't sound genuine kind of thing but no there sounds like a sort of a genuine connection to the subject matter especially the first couple songs which are very about this process for laura jane and it's the first time in a while i'm like okay it seems like this the, the song material is relatable to the singer um, it's very personal, so I I liked it. I actually enjoyed it a lot too, considering I really disliked the last couple of releases because I thought they were so disconnected from what they're doing. Not not perfect, but it was there were some really some really genuinely qual- high uh, high quality songs in there. Yes, one of my favorite songs on the album was the titular song, Transgender Dysphoria Blues, which is also the longest album or longest song on the album um, <laughs> by a whopping three seconds <laughs> <laughs> no that's not fair it's four seconds depend oh my version it's three. Oh, uh either way i think you should take a little listen It speaks volumes. Yes. Uh, considering we listen to about 20 seconds of a three-minute <laughs> song. Uh, but the follow-up, True Trans, Soul Rebel. Um, nice poppy song. I mean, I it it seems, I, I don't know, something about like the way that, because um, obviously uh, Tom, now Laura, has been having hormone therapy. As you can tell, Tom's voice in the earlier album sounded like he was eating a bottle of Jack Daniels while singing. And you can still kind of hear it. But it's definitely the voice is a little bit more, is a little higher pitched. Um, the hormones changing her voice. Um, it seems a little more fitting with the poppiness. Where before it was again, the Jack Daniels voice with, I mean, something that sounded like a Green Day album. It was a weird dichotomy and it didn't fit. Here it works a lot better. True Trans Soul Rebel. Um, good, good poppy song, voice matches. Good radio, good radio uh, single. Whether it'll end up being one, I don't know. It, it should. It should. 
It's a very good song. In fact, I don't remember any bad songs from this album. Uh, Maybe because it's too short? It's a quick album, which I think works to its strength. Um, I think with most punk albums, aside from a one or two exceptions, uh, Husker Du's Zen Arcade, which benefits from being really long. Really long. Um, I think the last track is like 15 minutes, and it's just like an instrumental punk jam, but it works. Uh, most punk albums benefit from being very short and sweet, since most of the songs sound exactly like the one before it. I would have said similar, but that's me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, um, I'm not the biggest punk fan, so um, maybe I'm just not appreciating the subtle differences between the tracks. Yeah. And what did you think, John? Uh, I have not had time with this album, unfortunately. Oh, so he likes uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm very intrigued to listen to it, though, given your positive feedback on it, especially because, like Alex, I really, really have not been a huge fan of Be Against Me as of late. Um, but the positive feedback definitely has gotten me an urge to listen to it and get some time in there. Um, I like, they have a couple good acoustic songs, like Two Coffins, um, which was a welcome addition. Um, not everything is so poppy. Uh, has some pretty typical against me shenanigans in terms of song titles such as Obama Bin Laden as the crucified Christ. Actually, let's take a listen just so you guys can hear it. I mean, typical sort of against me fanfare, like I said. Uh, it's a little bit like. Well, medley. I mean, like in like in sort of like the goofy song titles. So Obama Bin Laden's Crucified Christ, like I said, uh, and all one word. Fuck my life, six six six. Yeah, and actually, I like this album because it kind of it deviates from the punk format into a little bit of like heavy metal. Yeah, like with that Osama Bin Laden, blah 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 blah. Osama Bin Laden. Yeah, it's very very heavy. It's kind of like a Kid Rock song, only a little bit better. <laughs> Kid Rock's gone country now. Oh, yeah, yeah, before he went country, back when he was doing ba with the ba. Um, and cowboy. Yeah, no, not cowboy. Well, we cowboy, baby. <laughs> or American Badass? Yeah, that it's kind of like American Badass in that <laughs> in that way that it, they both are considered <laughs> rock songs. That's the way Against Me and Kid Rock are alike. Drinking with the Jocks is kind of almost like a thrash, has a thrashiness to it, very fast paced, a lot of screaming. Definitely. And actually, the. So that song got me thinking about, like, the subject matter of the entire album, and that is uh, a person that is struggling with, with their identity, and, and it's like, in, this, in that song, they're hanging out with the Jocks, but knowing that really deep down inside, they want to be a woman. Yeah. Which I guess. It's a weird song to write about, like a weird song to write, but it's... Well, that was kind of like Unconditional Love was sort of the, the I think if I remember the subject matter was like, you know, everyone should have love and it's it's a good thing. So I think for one of the first times in Against Me's career, they actually had positive songs. Yeah. And actually, uh, John just finished listening to a song <laughs> from the album. He, he's just listening to the o Osama Bin Laden. Um, what did you think, John? I thought it was very good. It definitely isn't exactly punk. Um, it's more of a rock song. Uh, I may have been bobbing my head a little bit. I liked what I heard. Um, is that kind of how it speaks, like the album in general? 
Uh, that song's a little different from all the other A little heavier okay. than I think the majority of the material. It, um, it was good. I really yeah. liked it. Like, True Trans is significantly poppier. Oh my god, it's poppy. Um, you listen to it? I, but anyway, Ryan, would you recommend what? Transgender Dysphoria Blueies? 100% yes. It is a great album. Um, I know it's not going to be nominated for a Grammy, but it should be. Um, or at least win uh, like an MTV music award yeah or maybe no awards at all maybe that will speak maybe a riff and rocky yes it should be nominated <laughs> i would agree um i would recommend picking this one up um i think punkish or hardish enough for the punk fans um mellow enough for the people who just like a good rock album um and heavy enough for those poets and those those kind hearts and yeah the things. lyrical content's good I think it's interesting how earlier we panned them for appealing to a wide audience, and now we're saying how it hits all these demographics. Yeah, isn't it weird that you guys said that? (laughs) And and I'm not going to lie. And I mean, I don't know if this is appropriate or not, but I think like a big chunk of it is the change in her voice. I think it's, it matches the strong, the song content so much better instead of, again, the guy who sounds like the son of Tom Waits. Her voice is much more fitting of this music, and it's kind of just like, it comes together a lot better. And you, you can still hear, you know, the echoes of the previous vocal work that yeah. they've done. Um, I think overall, though, the lyrical content, the reason why it's so strong is the individual is, is now fully confident in, maybe not fully, but is, is freer to express her opinions. And I think that really does come across. I think that's why you're now getting positive songs and it's not just I mean granted it was very very much so in vogue in the early 2000s to just bash the government but some albums that's all they were and here it's more just it's, it's a very personal it's, yeah it's very and so it was different when, when it's the pop music with the personal vocals and I think matching styles is better than like all of a sudden this very rickety sounding band all of a sudden sounding pop and you're like that just sounds like sellout this it sounds a little more cohesive and it, 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 it comes together better I know, yeah, it is contradictory that we're like, musically, it sounds pretty similar to like the last two Against Me albums, but also we're like, yeah, it just it just works. It's got a widespread appeal. <laughs> you guys are assholes. <laughs> Buy this album. <laughs> What's next on the agenda? Um, on the itinerary. <laughs> so going from a song, from music to the people to another band, which is music for the people, we listen to um, Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> I was trying to remember the album name. Bruce Springsteen's <laughs> High, High Hopes. High Hopes. Bruce Springsteen is a popular hip hop artist from the '80s who did great songs such as The Walk Humpty Th- Hump and Walk This Way. Or he also he also did he also did uh, Tub Thumping. Yes. He ghost wrote tub thumping for Chumbawamba. But Whoa. Bruce, obviously, everyone knows who the boss is. Um, he's he now he has I think for the last two albums he's now had Tom Morello of Rage Against the Machine fame in his mm-hmm. fold, and he's produced High Hopes. High Hopes. Monday morning runs. 
Sunday night screaming Slow me down before the new year dies Well, it won't take much to kill a loving smile um, I really, really, really like Bruce Springsteen, especially his works in the past few years. He is one of the few artists that in his old age has actually gotten better, because let's face it, some of his 80s and 90s music was pretty bad. Let's be real. It's pretty bad. Um, and what, what year did Born in the USA come out? Like 87? Because that song is probably one of the worst songs ever written. Yeah. We used to play that in my apartment in college just to torture each other. Came out in 1984. Yeah, that was just peak. That's like Rush. Like when Rush hit the 80s, they just had a decade where they just produced shit. Yep. And then Bruce Springsteen started getting better. Uh, then he went country, and he's one of the few artists to actually successfully go country. Um, and now here he is. He made a gospel album. And you said you had a lot of opinions about High Hopes. Yeah. Most of them are great. <laughs> this album starts off with the self-titled track High Hopes, which at this point, I when I listened to it, uh, I was said this was my favorite song so far of 2014. Yeah, it was the opening it is, track. It is great. It's high energy. It's gospel. It's got Tom Morello. <laughs> Just out of nowhere doing a Tom Morello solo. It's got all sorts of effects. And it, <laughs> and it is five minutes long. And it is... It's it, great. It doesn't feel its length, though. No, not at all. It doesn't drag. I love Tom Morello in this album because, like, it's a gospel album. And then, and then if you know Rage Against, like, pick any Rage Against the Machine song, one of those wacky guitar solos. The waka waka Just imagine waka, waka. just superimposed into a gospel song. And it's just like, what the fuck? <laughs> that was like, um, as I mentioned, the uh, song, the redo of Ghost of Tom Jode. It is a, a very... I don't remember the original Bruce Springsteen version of it. It's pretty much the same. Pretty much the same. And then, like, literally he plays almost note for note the Bulls on Parade guitar solo. Let's take a listen. Uh, yeah, but I mean, you gotta admit, it's kind of powerful, even though it is a literal cut. <laughs> He's just like, what? So I'm gonna do a, a complete reenactment of a song I recorded. Will you just do a complete reenactment of a guitar solo you did? Yeah, it seems, yeah, like, it seems sure. like a good idea. Uh, yeah. I don't see why not. It sounds like a very good idea, Mr. Springsteen. Except for the for like the speech impediment, you almost had the Tom Morello voice. What do you mean? I am Tom Morello. Hello, everyone. <laughs> All right, I have to go now. <laughs> My planet needs me. <laughs> the guy Ryan, the guy your back, you're supposed to Morello. <laughs> and that was our send off to Comedy Bang Bang. <laughs> um, there. So on this album, there are a couple of uh, slower songs where Bruce kind of uh, sings about country roads and in mm-hmm. hills with grass and cows licking their their young because they're all covered in mud or whatever <laughs> and it is it's 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 very very well delivered the songs are simple but not stupid simple like bon jovi when he went country like ah lou eating wheat in in my bowl every morning milk is good <laughs> and then then shell crow shows up and goes yeah 
eat your milk or whatever. Who cares? Um, but Bruce Springsteen, he, I don't know. It's great. It's great because he, I think the last ten years really wants to be like Pete Seeger, rest in peace, um, where he just sings songs about simple folk. But it's powerful. There's powerful themes like workers' rights and being nice to each other and hanging out with Tom Morello. That's why it's so great. He told Chris Christie to shove it. Yes. Because Chris Christie loves Bruce Springsteen. Bruce is like, no, you have to get away from me. <laughs> you are You're a shitty human being. You, sir, are an asshole. Correct me if I'm wrong. American Skin is a cover as well. 41 Shots. Isn't it? Uh, let's check. Because I believe that isn't... I, I swear there was a song that was recorded by somebody else about um, someone that was shot by the police 41 times for... Because they thought he had a gun and it was his wallet or something? Uh, he... Yeah, it's his own song that he wrote in about 2000. How many of these songs are... Wait, how many of these are re-recordings? It was originally, then he re-recorded it uh, because of Trayvon Martin. Oh, okay. Because I know there was the original one because it was an event where it was a African-American individual. The police shot like a 41 yeah. times because they thought he had a gun and it was yeah. a wallet. Amadou Diallo. Yeah. Of which Wyclef Jean also made a song about. And it's a pretty depressing song. If you want to cry, listen to that song. Um, there's a... I, I enjoyed this song. Um, or this album. There's a couple moments that it, it lulls a bit. Like, just like Firewood is a little too schlocky for me. Wood. Yeah, wood. It's in could. Yeah. It's a pun. <laughs> that, that one wasn't great. Harry's Place, as a song right after High Hopes, wasn't, I think, the best placement oh, of the song. Oh, yeah, that was poor placement. It was like, like, like High Hopes song. is so explosive and lively, and then Harry's Place like, It's the uh, slowest song on the album. I'm going to Harry's Place. And, and, yeah. Tom Morello, play a solo. Simple tractors. Take it away, Tom. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was it? Yeah, there's just a lot. Actually, you know what? Let's, uh, what other song did you like aside from High Hopes and. No, I, I love American Skin's a great song. I think it's a very depressing song, but I think appropriately depressing. Yeah. It's just kind of like, can you believe this shit happens? Because the police just shoot everybody. Basically, they are the Hunger Games. Yes, they are. And they're winning. And speaking of Hunger Games, Bruce Springsteen also made a song called Hunter of Invisible Game. Yeah. yeah. Which is a tribute to the Hunger Games Is it really? Books. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> you almost convinced me of that. Let's take a listen and double check. Oh, on second thought, I don't think it has anything to do with the Hunger Games books. There's actually, um, the other song I really liked was the last song, Dream Baby Dream. Mm. Um, had a good ending to it. Yeah, it was very... Good album closer. Overall, good album. Uh, as you know, Bruce Springsteen is generally not in my wheelhouse of stuff I love. I listened to Born to Run and I was like, it's okay. Because I'm a heathen, and I hate America, and therefore, that's why, well, whatever. Because but, you were born to run, and yeah. you, you can't accept things that you can't run from. And these colors don't run. Wait a minute. And How do KDB, what? what? <laughs> Wait. Oh, my God. Oh, whoa. Whoa. I need to sit down. Yeah, but, um, <laughs> so, <laughs> most people don't realize they like Bruce Springsteen until they actually start listening to Bruce Springsteen. 
Um, because he's had so many eras. He's had the the awful era, and now the good era. <laughs> well, it's more like the good era than the, the, than the awful era than the second good yeah, era. Yeah, you're right. All right. It's a sandwich. And then that very brief era where he didn't play any live music for the Super Bowl. But anyway, should people buy the Bruce Springsteen's High Hopes? <laughs> In conclusion. Oh, my God. And Brent. Oh, yes. Yes, you sh- I think that everyone should buy this album. Um, as well as Bruce Springsteen's previous album and another little known album that Bruce Springsteen has released called The Seeger Sessions where he does a bunch of Pete Seeger covers. So you were right in the beginning that he legitimately just wants to become Pete Seeger. Yes, he really does want to become Pete Seeger. <laughs> like, I hopefully just not to point where like, he digs up the, the recently buried Pete Seeger and tries to like assimilate. That might happen. He comes out like he's wearing his skin a la Silence of the Lambs. But then he has to learn how to play the banjo. Uh, it might not it might not pan out, but then he has a mic. <laughs> and then Tom Morello would just play a funky guitar song. Yeah. But <laughs> Alex, would you recommend this to our I think so. I think enough people I mean, if you like the boss's music, you're gonna like this album. I think there's there are definitely worse things you could spend your money on in 2014 in terms of music. Riff Raff. Riff Raff? Yeah. They put out an album? Riff Raff, the rapper? Yeah, that's what I was saying. Did he put out an album? He did put out an album. How is that? It's as shitty as you can possibly imagine. Oh, okay. So, John, you look complexed. Do you know who Riff Raff is? I do not. I'll bring up a picture so you can see. <laughs> Wait. I'll, I'll do it off camera or off mic. <laughs> Outside my window, the world passes by. It's stranger than a dream. Just like firewood, I'm burning. Just like firewood. Hold aside, um, did you watch the Grammys at all, Brian? I did not watch the Grammys at yeah, all. After my long-winded Grammy post, speaking of giant pieces of accessory, you should watch, you should see any clips of Pharrell, because his hats are huge. And yeah, for his tiny head. His head is gigantic. And then the really unfortunate performance of Metallica with, uh, I think, Ling Ling was his name, the Chinese pianist prodigy. He's not a prodigy, he just plays music fast. That's all he does. Yeah. Riff Raff. Oh, my God. All of his teeth are gold, and he raps like this. It's really He just bad. looks like white trash. Yeah, do you, you, you guys know uh, Kai right? right? What? Yeah. yeah. Kelsey like, is squinting awkwardly at the screen. He's like if Eminem wasn't very good and also grew up in a trailer park and fell out of the third grade. He had an NBA tattoo, just like the logo, the NBA logo. Yes, he also has the Bart NBA Simpson logo right is above actually his nipple. Fairly popular as a thing. He also has BET so. tattooed on his collarbone. Uh, what else does he have? <laughs> I don't want to know. Uh, he has a Portillo's. <laughs> At least he has some tattoo. What else does he have? He has he has a Patrick Star wristband. He has. God damn! Is he one of those people who got a lot of money for tattooing logos on him? Probably, because that would make a lot of sense. And then he just said he'd be a rapper. Yeah. Well, but so anyway, I was going back. Um, so there's the Metallica with Ling Ling performance, and it's really sad. Because you had these old hicks with a lot of money playing a song they can't perform anymore. Basically, 
Well, and so so they're like, we're doing our Lou Reed tribute, and they're like, so to do our Lou Reed tribute, we're gonna have Metallica come out, not play a song from that album where Lou Reed was on it because it's terrible. But like, nobody wants to listen to that Nuremberg Gate or whatever. But are those pigtails? Yes. <laughs> no, those are curls. My mistake. But, um, rows <laughs> for like a, an inch and a half. Lars <laughs> Lars Ulrich, the drummer, literally plays one one thing the entire show. He, he literally just booch 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 the entire thing. He also has a sampling, so he doesn't do a double double kick pedal anymore. He has a he has a, a, a sampling pedal. He hits with his foot that activates the double kick. Ah, uh, you lazy bastard! I hate he's you. He's admitted Lars that he, like he stopped practicing since two thousand nine. He just only does shows. Oh, what a he's jerk. like I collected all my Napster lawsuit money. I'm doing great. Lars, you are a shitty drummer and a horrible person. Yes, you killed Lou Reed. You're the all that's wrong with this world. Metallica rock band sucked. Or Guitar Hero Metallica sucked. <laughs> so the final album <laughs> we reviewed was the only one John listened to, so he can be able to comment. Um, Milwaukee-based power pop, hip-hop, dubstep group. The Lord's Arms. So folk based. Folk based. <laughs> Avant garde. Folk dub. Dub folk. Community. <laughs> and they live in a cottage in Green Bay. Yes, where they collect pansies and they. Ladybug farms. They they crochet blankets for, for the elderly. They do at Hardy tattoos for the elderly. And of course, they, they sell candy out of the back of trucks. The Lawrence Arms. They are a side project for when um, the rest of the band is doing the Falcon. Is that right, John? Uh, Alkaline Trio and the Falcon are their main projects, and the Lawrence Arms is the side one. Uh, not a word of this is true, by the way. In case <laughs> okay, just I was not picking up on this. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan and uh, I typically say only true things, but dry, John caught on on the one time we were <laughs> fibbing. Yeah, John, give some background into this. Who this are movie. really the the Lawrence? Who, the Lawrence Who them is? The Clark Very Street Legs. What <laughs> oh, God? Uh, Lawrence Arms um, are a punk band, Chicago-based, very near and dear to my heart. Um, they got their namesake because I believe the story was they were living in and got evicted from an apartment building called the Lawrence Arms on Lawrence Avenue in Chicago. Um, the, some of the members have gone on to be in a side project called The Falcon that wasn't entirely left field um, <laughs> with members from at the time Rise Against and Upland Trio um, this is the first new album they've put out since O Calcutta which came out a while ago I don't know the year specifically they had an EP I the year was 1969 the, the year the music died in <laughs> 2014 the year the music came back it plunged through the grave <laughs> Like in Kill Bill Volume 2, Uma Thurman was like, fuck this shit! Or a I'm a Falcon or something. Or a kick ass Jesus. I'm my a name Lawrence is Lawrence. Arm. <laughs> I'm gonna use my Lawrence arm to punch through. You have the right to bear Lawrence arms. <laughs> <laughs> so this album is called Met- <laughs> Metropole. Sorry, what's the name of the album? Metropole. As one word Metropoly. Oh, yes, Metropoli. Um, <laughs> John, what did you think of Uma Thurman's Power Fist? Metro- oh, Kimbo's all right. Okay. Oh, there's uh, only three people in the band. <laughs> yes. Oh, wow. I that met, I met uh, one of the Brandon Kelly when he was doing a side project 
he was he was playing in England in a tiny little club and he did an acoustic set where people just come tell him to do Lawrence Armstrong's like all right I won't play my own material I'll just keep playing Lawrence Armstrong's for you guys. So is he the one that sounds like shit or the one that sounds terrible? He is the grittier of the two. Okay, so he's the one that sounds like complete ass. I'm guessing I know. Did you he... not like the Lawrence Arms mm, Metropole? I'll let you guys go first. <laughs> John, what did you think of? Uh, I actually Metropole. I had a very high opinion of it. Um, it lyrically, is where Lawrence Arms connects with me a lot. Uh, this album, I feel, is very. The subject matter seems to overwhelmingly be like growing old. Um, getting older in this world uh, and it, it really kind of resonated with me a lot and you really feel that from the first few out, few tracks um, and then when you get to Drunken Tweets it goes, oh right, it's Lawrence Arms' album we're not mature for Lawrence <laughs> Arms um, I, that having been said, I really enjoyed it I gotta put more time into it, I gotta listen to it over and over again like I have everything else they put out but um, that having been said I really did enjoy it, I thought it was really solid Especially with where I am just in my life personally. Like, 17 or oh, Ridiculous. Alex? Um, I, I'm i not the biggest Lawrence Arms fan, to be honest. I'm, I'm always like, oh, they're, it's okay. Um, I know they have a huge following, especially in Illinois. You know, that the state that they're next to, because there are the Green, the green Bay Ladybug <laughs> Farmers. Um, but I've always I've always been like, you know, I, I never dislike their stuff. I'm always like, it's okay. I enjoyed this album a little bit more. It had, and I even not focusing too much on the lyrics, just musically, it had the kind of like we are getting, we are a little self aware that we're old, kind of sound to it. So there's a little bit some more mellowness to their sound, um, a little bit more variety, I guess, because there's some slightly more mellow stuff. specifically stuck out but nothing nothing stuck out specifically as mind-blowing or terrible um so which i think is okay for what they do um it's again like a it's a pretty short album it's like 20 some minutes it runs through and you're never grossly offended um and i i I mean i enjoyed it i'm just i'm having a hard time trying to remember what any of it sounded like but ryan you seem to have um a different opinion of meet 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 trophy Hurt my feelings, go for it. I did not like this album at all. At all. Um, first off, it sounded like every other suburban mid-2000s punk album <laughs> out there. It sounded exactly like Lawrence Arms from like 10 years ago. Um, it, 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 I don't know, it's like, how long have they been together? 15, 20 years? Probably a good 15 years. How come they can't play more than four chords in a song? I assume they've had time to practice. That's my biggest well, beef with punk songs. That destitute? I mean, they're never. I don't think these guys have ever been a big name. Well, yeah, but like, did they? They maybe did like the Warp Tour once. Yeah, Eight that's times. that's when I first heard of them, like with Warp Tour 2002. <laughs> and I listened to their album back then. It was pretty good. It was great because I was a teenager and I was dumb 
I love punk music. I wasn't dumb because I love punk music. Punk music back then was not dumb, unless it was Big One Eighty Two. Really dumb. Um, but it was like, like nowadays, You're it's just like, gonna kill John. I know. I'm sorry, John. I'm sorry. I'm hurting your feelings. But I do not like this kind of punk music because it's the same shit that they've been doing for 20 years. And and the 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 biggest thing, the biggest problem I had with this album was the bassist fucking voice. Like, oh my god. Like Bob Dylan has a shitty voice. Tom Waits has a terrible voice. But this guy. What happened to him? <laughs> it's it's just he goes for a, a grittier sound. That's just kind of is it on purpose or is it just his voice? Well, for me, again, a lot of my drug lords harms is lyrically. So I feel that their their lyrics have always been just honest, just brutally honesty, uh, brutal honesty rather. And uh, combined with the greatness of the voice, comes across as like an experience, like a whole experience. Like they both work very well hand in hand together. Um, so his voice has never bothered me. It's not the it's not the most uh, pleasing to the ear. I, I I give you that, but I've always liked it. I've always found it very endearing. Because yeah. back in the day, his voice was fine. It's like oh yeah, he's like because he sounded like he was in his early twenties. Like oh yeah, it just sounds like he's a punk singer that, that screams too much in concerts, and then he's fucked up for the times that he has to go to the recording studio. But now, now with his like very clean like. The, the sound, it sounds very clean in this. It sounds like they they rented their or built their own recording studio. They had like gaffers and they had an engineer. They hired Randy Jackson to do all the work, and then it's like, oh yeah, and now we're just gonna we're just gonna play those Covenant Nominator punk music. Like I feel like they had so many opportunities to be better than what they produced without putting a lot of time in this album, I mean, I really enjoyed their previous one, Oh Calcutta. It was very, it was much more lively, much more upbeat. Um, there, there wasn't really a dead moment in that album. I thought it was very, very, very good. This one, musically, doesn't quite hit those notes, but to ah, me... I get it. <laughs> fun. Uh, but to me, it's a, it, it's a different time in their lives. It's a different time as everyone. This album, I feel, was made for people like myself who have been eagerly awaiting more material had been with the band so long. So the fact that it sounds similar to other stuff isn't exactly a con, but the what changes is the lyrics. I know I keep hitting this tone, but really it's over, like their albums don't usually have a coherent message or feel. This one really does. It's really about just how you, you may not be where you thought you would be at this time in your life. How you're growing older, how things are changing, yet staying the same, yet it's just, it's a weird thing. It's just really resonating with me right now, and that's why I personally have really enjoyed it. Um, and why I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing that it sounds like it won't work. Let's, so let's, let's take a listen to, before, well, once Alex leaves, let's take a listen to the song Seventeener. And they go, oh man, that song is really great. It is. It's it's really good. It's um. Oh wait, no, I take that back. I did not like that song. I thought that was the worst song in the album. <laughs> but it was too late. <laughs> I forgot what we were talking about. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was the weakest song in the album. But John and Alex, oh, who knows what Alex thinks? He's currently 
uh, talking to someone, his agent right now. That's right, we're getting the Riff and Rock Music Talk conglomerate off the ground. You guys are all invited to join us, but you have to sign your contract, right? Yeah, yeah that's a th- three-year commitment, at least. Um, so let's listen to another song. What is another song that was very powerfully that stuck out? I I honestly did like the song Drunk Tweets. It was pretty pretty good. It did stick out, and that's that's the thing. Is like the first first bit of the album, you're you're getting into the whole feel that I was kind of trying to articulate, and then Drunk Tweets happens. It it grabs your attention. It jumps out at you. I like it because of its brevity. At one minute, so it's twenty-five dreadful, seconds. But it's, it's very short. Is that what you're trying yeah, to say? Yeah, yeah. Like, um, <laughs> it's the same with oh, what's now we just reviewed. Oh man, I forgot what it's called. It was another like punk album, but the best songs on on that album were the shortest. Anyway, well, then, yeah. Let's, let's actually give a little listen to Drunken Tweets. It does kind of. It's a very nice break in the album. We almost listened to the entire song. It was pretty great, right, guys? <laughs> yeah, that's something that I can say was pretty great um, and not regret it seconds later because <laughs> I forget what we're talking about. Um, so, so to wrap this album up, uh, I personally would not recommend it to anybody that does not like punk rock or follow the Lawrence Arms. Um, it's something that pretty much everybody has heard thematically, like as far as music time and time again um, stick with older Lawrence Arms which I do like, I did like their uh, one of their older albums, I, the name escapes me at the moment, but it came out around 2000 um, probably uh, Okada, the one that I really really enjoy yeah, it has been that long since they released an album by the way <laughs> yeah, it was probably, yeah, actually it probably was Okada um <laughs> But yeah, I recommend listening to that album. Not so much this one, unless you're, you're brave and bold. Um, but John, what do you think? Do you recommend it to our listeners? Uh, I think I kind of actually feel the same way you do. Where I recommend it if you're if you're excited about Lawrence Arms, want to hear more Lawrence Arms. Um, you know, it's if it's just random person off the street, I may not recommend it to them. Um, it is very much so involved with its own message you have to have that connection um, you know I don't know if I'd say you have to but I think I think I actually would though at, upon reviewing the sentence I'm currently speaking yeah. uh, because that's I, I think we have such a very differing opinion of it because I have that connection you don't so you have more of an objective view whereas I have some more like rose tinted lenses yeah so I think that but where did you the get connection these lenses uh, vision works actually the V does okay yeah, that's great. Great. I, I, I assume it was a BOGO deal by we going free. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Of I can't pass up savings like that. You know that. <laughs> and Alex, what do you think of his rose tinted glasses? I'm, I'm sorry. What do you think? How would you rate the album? There we go. I would recommend that, you know, for 20 minutes, it could be a lot worse. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. Risky, risky, risky. Hopefully, Alex can, <laughs> can fix that in post. Um, <laughs> or maybe I can fix it in post. Who knows? 
Uh, essentially, <laughs> what I'm getting at is once Alex leaves, his entire production falls to pieces. He really is the cornerstone of the entire thing, and he, he holds my heart very, very near and dear to my other heart. To or his. to his heart. My heart is close to his, I don't know. Um, point is, they are bros. And with this album, a connection to the band or the music is a very, very big pro- big plus. Oh. He is risen! Or a descendant. Or a descendant, yeah. Alright, um, so what, what were we... Well, we had a couple edit breaks, so we could go <laughs> re- retroactively listen to a song. <laughs> <laughs> and then I said, oh, that's great, and then remembered that I did not like the song. <laughs> and I said, oh, I hate that song. And then we had another edit uh, a break for a, a song. And then... You re- you recommend the album, but we did a break so you can go by. So great. I have a lot of editing to do. <laughs> it was great. Oh, but that triple absolutely. Yeah, it's not a long album, so I think it's like worthwhile. I can tolerate. If like this album was longer, I'd say it's not worth it just because it's We've too. We've been talking about this album longer than the album is. <laughs> <laughs> I think again, since it's a short album, I can I can deal with it. Um, there's some variants, uh, but. I think if people are into Lawrence Arms, they're gonna like it. Um, I think if they like this kind of punk music, they're gonna enjoy it. Um, you're not gonna win any. You're not gonna win new fans over. I think is the general thought I have on this. No, this is definitely for the pre-existing fans. It's not to broaden their, uh, broaden their audience. And I don't think they have any intentions of doing so. So I'm okay with that. Um, yeah, sure, I guess. Um, but again, if this is like, if this is not your cup of tea, and you're wondering, should I check this? If I should I try some new punk music? No. So I'd say like it, it, I'd say buy, but with a big asterisk of it depends. Ryan, I'm assuming your thought is no. Yeah, not at all. And John, it sounds like your thought was yes. Uh, actually, mine was more or less what you were, you said, like yes with the caveat of know what you're getting into. Like right. for random person off the street looking to buy their like first punk album, definitely not recommend Metro. So. Okay, um, Ryan though I think has some poetry to read us to take us out, take us off air. Yes, yeah, so I'm going to read a few random lines from an R. Kelly song. Uh, this one is from a song called uh, "Right Back" from the Black Panties uh, album. Uh, and let's see what we have. <clears throat> oh, actually, before you start, can wow, I make it? Can I, I make- cannot say any of these on the air. Can I make an addendum? Yes. Um, so last episode when our winter playlist um, we Ryan recommended the whisper song uh, by the Ying Yang twins <laughs> no we, I, I made the mistake of mistaking the whisper song for a different song where they whisper really vulgar things oh yeah of course <laughs> I, I probably should have told you that but whatever <laughs> and I didn't realize I only figured there was one song where people whisper creepy sex things hey bitch <laughs> see my dick <laughs> <laughs> but I was mistaken that there are two songs where people creepily whisper sex stuff. There's one where it's way to see my dick, and the other one's that work them hips come girl song. Oh yeah. Um uh so I apologize for my gaff. Hey bitch. <laughs> what do you see? What do you see my dick? Alright, so I'm gonna read a random line from right. from the, uh, so it turns out I can't read any of the lyrics <laughs> from that other song uh, on the air. I don't wanna get cited by the FCC. Um, so this one is from a song, from again from the Black Panties album called Every Position. <clears throat> I'ma show you what you're missing. Excuse my fresh, French when I get low. Baby, that's just how I kiss it. 
So put your legs around my neck. Get it. I can feel the... What? I'm talking, baby. It ain't no need to flex. And oh, oh, I'm gonna be your addiction. About to Kama Sutra you. Filling your prescription. And oh, 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 girl, I'm on the mission. We're here in this room till we hit every position. Word jazz. <laughs> so I want to add in a real quick story that's not really, it's very vaguely related where obviously we are recording after the Super Bowl and Bruno Mars did his thing and the Red Hot Chili Peppers performed, quote unquote. And I saw someone on my Facebook wall based. He made some comment that like it was the greatest thing ever. And the number one, well, number one, the first funny statement was that Bruce, uh, that uh, not Bruce, uh, Bruno, Bruno Mars was the incarnation of um, James Brown and Michael Jackson combined. I throw my head. Yeah, I spit my drink. And then he made a comment like that was the greatest show ever. And I, you know, being me cynical, I went, yeah, it's really easy when you pre-record the music. And he's like, no, that wasn't pre-recorded. No way. And I'm like, well, can you explain then why the Red Hot Chili Peppers and none of their instruments were plugged in? And he goes, they're wireless hookups, obviously. And I said, there was no hookup. And, and then he makes some comment, like, I've been playing bass for many years. I know the subtle differences between live and pre-recorded. And I know that was live. There's nothing plugged in. Well, and then Flea released a statement going, we didn't play live. <laughs> nothing was plugged in. And when Chad Smith was playing the drums, he was just hitting shit. There was not even a conscious effort to match it up. And that's really the end of the statement. So then I, I left an ar- I left that article on his Facebook page just to let him know that he's an idiot. And um, he never got back to me, oddly enough. What a terrible yes. story, Alex. You made an enemy in the end. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That was a pretty good story. Um, so next time we record, Alex, you have to tell us what happens. If anything else happens from it, I will. Can you try to start a Twitter war with this guy? <laughs> Just like you started one with Drake? Yes, and one with Drake. Because <laughs> I ha- now have Macklemore on my side. I have the Rolling Stones on my side. I have, who else? Kendrick Lamar on that, my that side. That country singer that liked one of our tweets. He's an R&B tweet, uh, singer. Sorry, just kidding. George whatever or something. <laughs> you, you know who you are. Shout you out to whatever him. your name is. Bobby J- Jim or, yeah. Um, what does Anthony Fantano from the Needle Drop liked one of our tweets? Yes. And he's a much more respected music reviewer. Yes, he is. So you heard it here first. We're going to be famous. Anthony Fantano, if, you ever, if you're listening to this... Come on our show. We'll we'll treat you okay. And then we'll hashtag a, a thing. I might order you a Jimmy John's to your house. Ooh. Hope you like the tuna. Because that's the only sandwich I'm ordering you is the tuna. 